Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Board Games Daily, your daily dose of tabletop gaming discussion on Anchor. Now welcome your hosts, Jeremiah Isley, Scott Firestone, and AJ Skifstad. Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to Board Games Daily. This is AJ Skifstad. You are listening to our 199th episode, Going On 200. We've got a special contest game giveaway for our 200th episode, so stay tuned for that. We've got some other good stuff coming at you today. Firestone's going to share with us his Tuesday night game group uh, games that he played. I believe one of them is going to be the new game, Root, so I can't wait to hear about that. And also, we've got our game night cage fight coming up where you're going to find out about two games that we're going to pit against each other in a cage fight and we're going to tell our opinions on which one we think is going to win but we also want to hear which one you think is going to win by the way that's going to be how you can get in the contest to win a game so listen for what that game is that you can win in the contest for our 200th episode giveaway and listen to what those two games are that we're going to talk about in the cage fight so that you can weigh in on those Let's just take a listen and find out what's going on on Board Games Daily. It is time for a contest board game giveaway. For our 200th episode here at Board Games Daily, we want to give away a copy of Before There Were Stars, a storytelling game by Smirk and Laughter Games. How do you win your copy? Stay tuned and listen to our cage fight between two different games. We're going to give you our opinions, but then we want to hear your opinions. What you need to do is use the Anchor app to join the conversation and tell us who you think would win that cage fight. All you have to do is be the fifth person to join that conversation and you win a copy of Before There Were Stars. Not only do you win a copy of the game, but you also get added into our episode, uh, our 200th episode tomorrow. So join the conversation, use the Anchor app, tell us who you think would win the cage fight, and hopefully you can win your copy of Before There Were Stars. Hey there, folks. We just wanted to take a few moments here to tell you about our latest promotional partner, Getting Geeky with Game Relief. Game Relief keeps you up to date on all things Kickstarter and brings you episodes anywhere from three to six times a week with great insights into tabletop industry. And keep an eye out for our The Family Fun Day Fridays featuring thoughts on game titles with Game Relief and his kids. Head over to GameReliefGo.com or just search Getting Geeky with Game Relief wherever you listen to podcasts. Here it is. Cage fight, 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 fight. We've got a cage fight for you today. The cage fight is going to be Kemet versus Blood Rage. Kemet, I have not played in a long time. I forget quite a bit about it, but I'm going to try and recall some things that I remember about it. And I'm also going to talk about Blood Rage, which I played more recently. And I'm uh, going to tell you what I like and dislike 
uh, and which one I think will win the cage fight. So uh, pardon my ignorance when it comes to Kemet. It's been a long time. I might say things that aren't quite accurate concerning gameplay, uh, but I think I, I'm going to go with what I remember here. Let's start with Blood Rage, though. That's a little bit more recent for me. It's got a great theme. Vikings are cool. It's got sweet miniatures. You've got miniatures that are part of your clan, and then you're going to be hiring on these monsters that are sweet, really cool, bigger miniatures that are going to uh, fight on your side. Not all the monsters are bigger, but some of them are. You've got a ship. You're going to be going into territories and playing cards in these territories to maintain control. You're going to be playing cards to your clan to beef them up and get them more points. Get them onto the board sooner. Give them points for doing certain things. You're going to beef up your warrior, your leader, excuse me, by giving him some cards that enhance his character. You can enhance your ship. Get points from ship destruction. You can get points for uh, warriors that die in Valhalla and come back at the end of each age. And you can also get different points from... Uh, completing quest that you're going to have in your hand. Now, at the beginning of each round, you're going to get these cards, and uh, the second and third round, you're going to draft them through a uh, through like a Seven Wonders kind of system. Take one and pass it to the player on your left. It's a really fun game. I like it a lot. Kemet has got the theme of, it's, it's like an ancient Egypt kind of theme, and in Kemet, you also got a clan that belongs to you with your warriors and all your little miniatures, which are also very, very well done. And you can also gain monsters that are going to be on your team or your clan's side throughout the game. The card drafting mechanism is a little bit different. I believe there's a tableau of cards that you can receive out from the playing field uh, and you can purchase those cards. The scoring mechanism is different. I remember the scoring mechanism was what I liked most and I can't remember it completely right now. I think the first player to get to eight points wins or something like that, but I think it kind of had that weird reverse scoring mechanism where... Uh, you, you were only scoring like your least amount of points in a certain color or something. I could be way off with that. I just remember there was something really cool about the scoring that I liked that made it super intriguing when it came to getting points each, each victory round. Uh, it's a territory control game. You can move from territory to territory depending on different places that you're at. There are like capitals, I believe, that if you are in control of at the end of the round, you're going to get victory points for all sorts of good stuff going on. There's a super special territory as well. It's like an island territory, I think, that is worth more points for being in control of that at the end of a round. It's it's really quite cool. I like it. I think you get points for winning a, a battle or winning a territory. I like Kemet a lot. It's good looking game. It's it's really cool. So, which game wins in my opinion? Well, I liked Blood Rage. I felt like uh, they both have a solid amount of take that in them. This, this is a really, really, really hard decision to make. They play they play different enough that it, it's difficult. But I really think that I like Kemet more. And here's the reasons. Because I can't really go off gameplay as much right now as I'd like to. I like the theme better. I definitely like that Ancient Egypt theme. I like the artwork better. I like the board better. I like that it was kind of laid out more as like a, a map versus just like segregated territories with one big territory in the middle like Blood Rage has. I like that there was a map that you could move across into other players' territories. I like that you have starting territories that you come out of. And I did love the scoring mechanism in the game, which I can't even remember to its fullest extent right now. 
but I really, really enjoy Kemet. I also know that Kemet has, um, I think it's Cyclades. I think that's how you say it. And I think those games can kind of cross into each other's sphere in one way or another. I think some of the monsters can do that and things like that. Never played Cyclades, so I don't quite know how that works. But I mean, that's just another cool aspect. So if I was going to give this fight to somebody, I would give it to Kemet. Kemet is my winner, but who's your winner? The reason we need to know is because you can get in on our contest to win before there were stars. All you have to do is be the first person that chimes in in this conversation. You not only get to be a part of our Board Games Daily episode, but you also get a chance to win before there were stars. Fifth person to join the conversation wins that copy of Before There Were Stars. So let's hear who you think wins between Kemet and Blood Rage. That's it for now. Check you later. You can be more than just a listener. If you're listening via the Anchor app, you can be a part of the discussion by using the voice message feature. Don't just sit on the sidelines. Download the app and join the conversation today. Hey everyone, Firestone here with Board Games Daily, powered by TheologyofGames.com. Coming to you with my What I Played Last Night at Game Night game thing night thing so we uh got there and we're kind of waiting for some other people so we threw down a game called via nebula this is a martin wallace game that if you looked at it would never in a million years guess it was a martin wallace game it has this cartoonish fantasy theme to it and it feels like Age of Steam and Brass Light, very light. So you're you're creating networks and you're delivering goods to building sites and then building buildings and you kind of have to work together. Coopetition is the word I've used people use. It's it's when um you need to use something of theirs or um, you need them to pull something off of one of your tiles so you can get something back or score it. Brass does this. So it's kind of a very lightweight version of those two things. I think it's a pretty cool game and um, definitely worth checking out if you were, if someone was like, hey, I want to play Brass or Age of Steam and you go, whoa, whoa, partner, let's put the brakes on that. We're going to need to ease into it. Then Via Nebula would be a perfect game to ease into it. Then we were supposed to play Root, but the guy that normally, that said he was going get, to get Root, didn't get Root. So, we had big plans to play it, didn't end up playing it. And so I was like, ah, oh, I don't know what to do now. And then this guy opened up his game bag, and there was a feast for Odin. It's never come to game night. And it's like at the top of my list of games I want to play. And so, instead of playing Root, I said, let's do a feast for Odin. And we were going to do three players. And then a guy I really like, and I like playing with was like, Hey, do you guys mind if I join? And I was like thinking, no, but saying yes. So we played four player feast of Odin feast for Odin. And I will just tell you that that is the wrong number to play feast for Odin. It was well over three hours for the game that should not take that long. Granted, it was the first game for three of us. And um, it's just a game that's prone to some analysis paralysis, which I'll talk about here in a second. This is going to be a long segment, so, but anyway. Um, 
Feast for Odin has been at the top of my want to playlist for a long time now because I love Uwe Rosenberg games. They are some of my favorites. I love his mechanisms. I love the way he crafts his games. This one costs like a it's I think the MSRP is $100. So it's it's somewhere around $80 to $100 where depending on where you get it. And it's a massive box and it's full of things, cardboard and wood and everything you can imagine. Lots and lots of boards. So I'm not saying it's not justified. I'm just saying for me to drop that kind of money on something, I I kind of wanted to play it first, and but I just hadn't had a chance in whatever the two years it's been out. So I was really anxious to try this because I wanted to know if I needed to keep pushing hard to get it or if I could kind of put it on a back burner or just ignore it completely. So the explanation took 45 minutes maybe. There are so many little rules with this game and interactions and things you can do. There is an action board. It's kind of a worker placement game. So there's an action board where you put your workers out and there are, I'm not exaggerating, 61 different spaces to put your workers. I'm not joking. They're all available from the beginning. You have 61 different options. Now they're kind of broken down into... I don't know, themes, I guess you'd say. So you can kind of go for hunting over here and then there are a bunch of ways to hunt. And you can go for crafting items over here and there are a bunch of ways to craft. Or you can go raiding and pillaging and a number of ways to do that. So there are absolutely 61 options, but they're kind of dependent on what your strategy you're going for. They're also dependent on whether other people have taken those spots. And they're dependent on how many Vikings you have. Those are your, your workers. Because... Some spaces only take one Viking and some take up to four. Obviously with, with stronger things you can do with the four, but you're, you're losing ability to, to play out Vikings and do things. So you're getting resources and then you're upgrading resources. And every resource starts with one thing and it can go up to four levels higher. And... The reason you want them to go four levels higher is they might allow you to um, get more victory points for them. They might allow you to... There are these... You, each player has a board that has spaces you're, you have to cover up because this is a UV game. Um, that a bunch of them have little negative ones on them. And if at the end of the game any of those not covered are worth minus one point to you. So you're, you're covering up things on your board, but depending on how far you've upgraded something. So the third step of, of, of these goods is a green is green. And that's all you need to know. It doesn't matter exactly what it is, but, um, so it becomes green. You can only put green things on your board touching diagonally. They can't touch orthogonally. So that limits how much you can do. But you can upgrade them to the highest and final spot, which is blue, and blue can be put next to each other. So you're trying to take goods, upgrade them to such a degree that you can place them on your board, and if you them, if you use blue, they can go anywhere. They can be right next to each other. Um, so it's just kind of balancing all of that. But the truth is that that doesn't make thematic sense to me. I don't understand why I'm putting chests and wool and plunder onto this landscape in front of me. And why are those negative ones there? I don't, it feels like they're just there for me to cover up and there's no thematic reason for it. So I was a little 
disappointed in that. Again, all of this, I'm, I'm going to couch by saying uh, this was a first play. So some of this take with a grain of salt. We all tried different strategies. I'm not, so I'm not, I'm not saying I'm an expert. This is not the kind of game that anyone would become an expert, but this is just something that bothered me is thematically. I don't know why I was doing the things I was doing. So, um, there's, so every turn you'd be getting these items and then everyone's just kind of heads down looking at their board. How can I put this? I can put this here and do that there. And then I have to feed these guys over here cause it's a Rosenberg game. And, um, okay. And then if that guy takes that and you just felt like you were kind of working on your own and I, I wasn't sure what to do. There were too many options. You could, you start the game with a, uh, an occupation card and that you know this is very much like agricola where you have all these cards that you can play down and give you special powers and special rules they didn't feel as strong as in agricola but there are hundreds and hundreds of them and some of them were just insane and some of them didn't fit with my strategy at all so i draw one and then i'd go whaling i'm not doing any whaling and uh it was just I didn't feel like I was doing well. And I, in fact, I did, I did very poorly, but again, it was my first game. There were some things that seemed far better than others. And I don't know why I wouldn't just go for that next time. Seeing at the end of the game, someone having almost twice as many points from me just from flipping ships. So then I feel like, okay, I have to flip ships, but then I'm not going to be doing any of the other so many options that I have animal husbandry and crafting things and hunting and all these crazy things that you can do but it seemed like getting ships flipping ships was a major thing there are all these sideboards you can get that also have negative points on them but give you bonuses if you can cover up those negatives and get other things again more spatial stuff that doesn't make any sense thematically but there it is um so I need to cut this off because I've been talking for a long time. But basically for me, I enjoyed the game, but it has fallen from, this is one of the games I'm really, really trying to get. I'm thinking about purchasing it. I'm trying hard to get trades on a geek for it. It has fallen to, if someone were to offer me a trade for that game, and it was a game I just didn't care about getting rid of, I would absolutely do it. But it has fallen back to a back burner kind of, I'd be happy to acquire it, but it's not that important anymore. There were too many things going on. It was thematically uninteresting to me. It was the, the puzzling aspect of where to put things wasn't, and it just wasn't enjoyable. It, I would so much rather play Caverna or even Agricola than a feast for Odin and save myself a hundred dollars. Would I play it again? Absolutely. Would I play with four? No, uh, this is like a two or three per person game. Although it's strange because it doesn't seem like the board scales in any way with fewer players. So I don't know how that would affect things. But anyway, um, I would absolutely play again. I would try a different strategy and go down the route that I saw other people, um, going down who were scoring quite a bit more points than I was. And, uh, I'm just torn because I, there were so many things I liked about it and then so many things that were just a big disconnect for me. And, and I'm thinking, uh, why why am I excited about covering up this all these negative points? Why are these negative points here? It just felt... 
that's super undes- poorly described, but there it is. So I want to know what you think of A Feast for Odin. Am I crazy? Am I missing something? I'm, I, like I said, I will play again. I'm not suggesting that this is just burnt. Here's my review and here's how this game is. This was a first experience of an incredibly complex game. And so I'm willing to explore it more. I'm just saying for, for me personally, it's fallen to a back burner kind of game. So let us know what you think and make sure you're commenting on AJ's cage fight match between Kemet and Blood Rage. Because if you do, you can win an absolutely free game that we will send you for free. Free games. Awesome. And Patreon. Don't forget about that. You can win stuff on there too and support Board Games Daily. We appreciate every bit of it. Have a great day. Bye. Tower of Madness, the latest from Smirk and Dagger Games. Will you discover what lies beneath unspeakable horror, slip into insanity, or bring about the end of the world? A three-dimensional clock tower stands 15 inches tall, filled with marbles. 30 otherworldly tentacles push through the tower walls in every direction. In this high-tension dice game of Lovecraft-inspired horror. Win your very own copy of Tower of Madness. Head over to theologyofgames.com slash Patreon for full contest rules and how you can enter to win. Thanks for joining us today. Board Games Daily is powered by theologyofgames.com. Don't forget to head over to TheologyOfGames.com to check out all we have to offer, including written reviews, our YouTube channel, and two other podcasts. If you enjoyed this show, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you're listening. Thanks for listening, and go put a game on the table.